Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. And now we'll go straight to our main message. I want you to consider these passages and the manifestation of the Father's love to the believer. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That's how much he loved the world. But in these passages, it talks about loving the believer plus manifesting himself to the believer within the believer. And this is very vital. Perhaps most people can say the Lord's Prayer, but cannot adequately draw from the Father's source to help in the time of need. God the Father, available to help every individual in a very, very special way. So many times, children will not honor the family relationship with God and begin to receive what the Lord has in the Father, Son, and family unit in the redeemed family of God. If you examine the scriptures very carefully, in Isaiah 9, 6, where the word of God says his name shall be called Wonderful, Mighty God, and Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, and Counselor, and so forth. But among his names is that beautiful name, Everlasting Father. If a believer, if they were taught properly about the Father and entered into the right relationship with the Father on a spiritual basis, and they started out with that relationship, with understanding, the average believer's problems would be almost amazingly dissolved. It's the lack of understanding our part, our relationship, and our fellowship in the family of God that really cripples individuals and paralyzes their effectiveness. Because here's the Father who allows things to happen and then makes himself available to be who he is in a revelation of himself. In John 14:22, he says, If you love me, you'll keep my sayings, and then I will manifest myself to you. So here comes obedience releasing the manifestation of the Father's heart toward his own people. And he goes on to say, If you don't love me and you keep not my sayings, then you will not experience the manifestation of the Father's heart. So you think with me how the Father begins to manifest his heart to every single believer who loves him. What does he manifest? Well, when every single person on the earth begins to fail you, and you get to know your source with the Father, and you get alone with him, alone in your heart, even if you're in the midst of a crowd, and you begin to draw from him through just plain being available. And the scriptures this morning teach us that he comforts us. And he's the father of all comfort. God begins to comfort. How does he comfort the believer? How does he go about comforting the believer who is exhausted, who is flustered, and who is frustrated in his life? How can the Father adequately comfort him? He comforts him 
by beginning to reveal to him through the Holy Spirit all that that believer is and all that that believer means to him. And when the believer begins to sense his redemptive worth, he begins to be comforted by who he really is in redemption. And the believer begins to respond through the comforter. When the comforter of, of the Holy Spirit begins to comfort the believer's heart, then the believer begins to grow in Jesus Christ through being comforted, not through being condemned, but through being comforted. For example, let's say that as a son, you've totally failed God and you're guilty for failing God. But, but if we go to the Father, the Holy Spirit applies the finished work blood of Jesus Christ and you're comforted by what the Holy Spirit reveals about Jesus Christ and you're able to receive the acceptance of the Father through the Son in your life. All because you've been comforted by the Father through the Spirit. When you begin to suffer, you begin to experience fellowship with Jesus Christ and you're comforted through the fellowship of His sufferings. But all of this comfort comes from the Father. Now, many of you have read the book and seen the film of Sammy Morris, the Methodist Christian that died that came over here from Africa. And probably his testimony meant more to me other than the scriptures of any other man pertaining to getting to know God the Father. Because Sammy Morris, who was so young, came all the way from Africa and was so hated and persecuted in the early days that he came and died so readily and so quickly, really gave America an amazing demonstration of knowing the Father. Here he is in this country. He's mocked and laughed at by the university. He's rejected. And yet every time, Sammy is always going to his father. You remember the story in the book how people came to his room to make fun of him. And they opened the door and they went in up upon him and he was praying as he did so frequently. And he was praying a very simple prayer which he constantly prayed. And it was so beautiful. <clears throat> and it was, Sammy's father always listens. And father, Sammy has been rejected in the cafeteria line. But Sammy knows that father loves him. So Sammy now receives father's love. That's all this time. And then he gets up. When he was constantly rejected by atheists and those that disbelieved God, he always went and talked to his father. When a classroom discussion came, he always brought up his father. Two pronounced atheists who were converted while Sammy Morris was there before he died, arguing profusely in the classroom against God. And Sammy Morris got up. And he simply said, I pray to Father because argument do no good for class. And so they let him pray and he prayed, Father, save these men that hate you. They hate you because they don't know you. That's all this time. Please act. That's all he said. Then he left the classroom and went up to his room and got on his knees and prayed. 
and as he prayed, one of the atheists followed him to his room. The atheist was going to tear him apart because he hated his presence and hated everything about Sammy Morris' little childlike faith. Sammy Morris was about 21 years of age. He was up in his room weeping. He said, Father, have mercy on these atheists. Please have mercy. Father loves them and Sammy loves them. But how does Sammy let them know Father loves him? Please show Sammy. And then he said, that's all this time. And the atheist saw his tears. and The Holy Spirit answered that prayer right on the spot. And the atheist knelt, just knelt and then went prostrate. And the Holy Spirit's power came upon him. Sammy Morris lifted up his eyes and said, Father, you act so quickly, I get to know you better every day. Getting to know the Father, what a relationship one can have with God the Father. You think of the beautiful men of God that are here this morning and throughout the world that love God, that are tremendous fathers of the earth. And despite frailties, they love their children. They are very wise They really carry on for their family beyond what they can even reveal because of their hearts of experience. And they would do anything the average father that is a decent father would do anything he possibly could for his children, anything within the realm of possibility, and would go to any length for his children and give and give and go and anything else. And you think of that for just a moment. Think of perhaps how much you have loved your father or how much you've respected certain fathers and how much they've meant to you and how much their attitudes have meant their love. And then try to, for just a moment, to leave the earth and think of God the Father. And try to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the Father of all comforts. Just think of that. I can't grasp it. I wouldn't even try to, and I don't have to either. We can't grasp it, but we know something about it. And the longer we live, the more we know about it. It's something that can't be explained. The inner comfort, the inner peace, the inner assurance, the inner fellowship that comes through the Holy Spirit, that comes from the Word of God, as the Father's heart is revealed to us. We had a girl who was in an orphanage that came to our ministry and on drugs. And this girl, the one thing that that the Holy Spirit did with different men, not so much me, but a couple of other men in the body, was to really reveal to her the Father's love. And I don't think they necessarily realized what they were doing, but they were giving her these two men and their wives as well. But they were giving her this amazing love that she never had. She was an orphan and was beaten in the orphanage. And she began to respond to them tremendously. And finally she got up and testified how she got to know God through their fatherly love. And it was the father's love that they demonstrated and manifested to her that brought her into deliverance. She did away with her medication. She got completely well. She's doing great. She's married. She's secure. She's not unstable. 
But it was through the investment of these two fathers who every time they saw her did things with her and occasionally they, they took her out for lunch. And it was all over the father's love. I was thinking of Sharon who used to eat from the garbage cans on the streets. And some of you heard her testimony. Uh, Sharon used to eat. She was starving and she was so poor and poverty stricken. And she used to go on the streets before we were, just when we came to South Berwick and go into the garbage cans and try to find something to eat. And when she came in the ministry in South Berwick, the amazing change that took place in her life, comfort, peace, joy. And she's married today. She lives in Lenox off campus with her husband. They were also missionaries uh, overseas. But Sharon's testimony was, I never had a father and I never knew what a father's love was. And this whole body has been an amazing father to me. They fathered me and mothered me. And that's an amazing thing because in Luke 8, 20, Jesus said, They that hear the word of God and keep it, they are my father, my mother, my brother, my sister. If they hear the word of God and they keep it. Now, Luke 8, 20 with John 14.22, really reveals something. John 14.22, If you love me, you'll keep my sayings, and, I'll, and you'll be uh, experiencing the manifestation of the Father's love. Then here's Luke 8.20, Those that hear the word of God and keep it, they are my father and my mother. This is where the true fatherhood comes in, the true motherhood comes in, the true relationship comes in, a true family unit comes in through the manifestation of God in his triune expression of the real need of man's heart through the expression of the Trinity. No one can substitute from it and it all starts with them. For example, if you feel neglected and lonely and go to God, he begins to comfort. And that's a literal comfort of your Father. God the Father. And only God the Father can make us know what it's like to be really in a family unit and to really know family living the way it should be. And through Him, then the manifestation of that love comes out in the midst of the family in the actual family. That's why if you cut off the source and try to be a good parent, you can't succeed and cannot meet the need. There has to be the manifestation of the Father and the manifestation of the Son and the manifestation of the Spirit. There's got to be a manifestation of, of that life so that we can draw to experience what we can experience in our homes. And it's such a beautiful thing when God makes that a possible. This passage here says, the father of all mercies. So many times people limit the revelation of God's mercy. And when the Bible says that mercy rejoices against judgment in James 2.13, then get the picture of the truth about the father pertaining to mercy. The father of all mercies. Most people that refuse to allow that manifestation of the Father's mercy 
never begin to experience what it's like to know a merciful God that is completely merciful. If, if we begin to see in the Old Testament and the New Testament how the Father of all mercies has followed the grace revealed by the Son, the grace of the Son is revealed, the New Covenant is revealed by the Spirit, and mercy is revealed by the Father. So this so captivates the capacity of every believer so their life in Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount, their life becomes merciful. Blessed are the merciful. And we become merciful all because we got to know the Father. So you picture the average Christian now that gets to know the Father for comfort, the Father of all mercies, the Father of all love, and the Father of all peace, and the Father of all grace through the Son. And you begin to get to know the Trinity in that light. And something marvelous begins to take place. I went on the platform last Sunday evening and began to watch people come in. Not objectively, but just watch them as they came in. And I began to, to see some of the countenances and some of the faces and some of the transformations that have taken place in three to five years. One would sit down. Another one would. I remembered one had to be counseled every day. Now they were a counselor. One cried every night and couldn't sleep and was on medication for a whole year before they came to us. Now they're very happily married, have a child, and they, they laugh, they pray, they go out on blitzes with their husband once a week, and they sit down. Then the next man that sat down was a person that had a very serious sensual problem. And it got totally delivered in the anointing of oil right here one Friday night. And just that sensual problem went away. Then there was a lady. She was a widow. And she had to see a psychologist all the time after her husband died. Now she's got everything together and she's doing tremendous. Then there was a young couple that came seeking help while separated, exposed to the ministry through radio, back together, going to school, doing great. And I looked at the audience. One. Here's another. Here's another. Here's another. Here's another. And God had done all of this. He comforted. He cleansed. He gave mercy. He gave grace. He gave peace. Everywhere you look, there it was, what God had done. He'd been moving, moving, and I thought, it's so easy not to see this amazing fruit of God and what, the, what God has done. How faithful God has been. I saw a man that we had to kick off for a month quite a while ago, and he came back. He accepted his discipline well and came back and is doing great, fine, very mature now. But there they were, hundreds of them. And, of course, if you and I could see God, what God sees, we'd see it multiplied and multiplied all over America. Uh, we'd see all the various ministries that have been instruments of God that have gone out and been used and been available. We'd see it all over the world if we could just see the Father of all mercies. We, we just that phrase alone, we, we just weep with joy, with thanksgiving, with praise. 
what the Father of all mercies has done. We couldn't even begin to picture what it is except to see the changed lives, the reconciled marriages, the amazing sins that have gone, the bondages, the terrible stuff that is over now, all because they got to know the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, this is really in, you know, we think of this book and we look at the different epistles and we see the ones to the Corinthians and we see the ones to the Thessalonians and we quote scriptures out of it. And I'd like us maybe just to focus for a minute on the relationship between Timothy and Paul. Now, this book was written to who? It says it right there. Not first to the church, not first to other believers first to Timothy. Paul had a love for Timothy. Paul had been a part of planting that church, and and he had left Timothy there to be a leader, and he knew the letter would go beyond Timothy. But the first, his first priority, his first, he's not addressing the church first, he's addressing Timothy first. And he says here, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy. And this isn't a formal greeting. This is his son in the faith. And he's saying, and really he's greeting him this way to say, this is how I live my life. This is it. You know me. We we have an intimate relationship together. But I am a sent one of Jesus Christ. And the relationship we have together, you are a sent one. I am a sent one. Says unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace and mercy and peace to you. Why? Because you're my son. You're my son. And I want God to have mercy on you. Not that I don't want God to have mercy on everyone. I do. But we have a relationship. It's an intimate relationship. I care about you. I think about you when I wake up. I think about you when before I go to bed. You're in my heart. I want God to have mercy on you. This is the heart of a pastor. It's the heart of a father. Isn't it? In First John it says, I, I wish that your soul would prosper. People take that as a pro- some kind of promise that they're going to get healed. No, it's a promise from God that he's going to put into spiritual leaders a love for their flock. So much so that they would want each one to prosper as their soul prospers, because that is the heart of the Father. It may not be the plan of the Father, but it's the heart of the Father. Not everyone will prosper in their body, not all the time, but it's not because God doesn't love them and want them to prosper, but in a plan, in a large plan where there's sin and there's free volition and there are things that happen in the world and there's evil, there will be pain and suffering. But, but God is faithful to put into our hearts a love and a desire. And it's a desire that we would go the extra mile, that my brother would prosper out of love. And this is what Paul's doing. He's, he's penning this letter for that reason. 
As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. He's saying it's a son relationship, it's, a, it's an intimate relationship, but don't think it doesn't come without an order, because it does. Our relationships fall into an order. They fall into an order. That's why we're in a church. That's why we have, we have spiritual headship. We have coverings that we come under. And we come under those coverings, and just like a son comes under the covering of his household, and his father says, sweep the driveway. That's your job, and you do it every week. And he has the right to say that, and clean your dishes, and clean your room, and you're going to do your homework. You're living in my house. This is what you're going to do. And we have a loving relationship. It's an intimate, great relationship together. But there's an order. There's a real order. And it's the same in the church. And it is, and it's not for lordship's purpose, but it's for the furtherance of the gospel. It's so that men and women might know God. And he's saying, I'm, I told you to go tell them they weren't preaching the truth. That's why I left you there. Because people will get hurt and out of mercy and love in an order. That was his that was his task given unto him. Now the end of this commandment is charity, it's love, out of a pure heart and out of good conscience and of faith unfeigned, mm. from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. You know, the church, the reason for the church, the reason we have a Bible study together, the reason we get together. The reason anyone has any authority in their lives over, we would say, we would say in, authority in someone's life. The reason I can maybe come to someone who I see is they have spiritual wisdom and I can say, can you help me? There's this and this and this. Would you pray for me? And we can do that because there's an authority of love. There's an authority of love. It's love unfeigned. It's faith it's love. It's Jesus Christ being manifested in the world. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And there are some that think they have authority because of their intelligence, because of their mastery of certain aspects of the Word of God. But really the reality is Timothy loved Paul. Paul loved Timothy. There was a love given into them that spread out into the church in Ephesus. And a, and a work of God is formed. You know, when we love people, a work of God is born there. It's born in the midst of that relationship. Works of God are born in the midst of relationships. There are leaders that use people to build a work when God's heart is to use a work to build people. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www. .gracianpublic.com Lord, thank you for loving us, Lord. Not only like a father loves a son. It's that, but it's more than that. Not only like a king loves his servants, a good king. It's more than that. You love us like our God loves his creation, like a father, like loves his son. You love us in a way we can barely understand. We've only scratched the surface of it. We pray we would, Lord, not be not be impersonal to people, but instead you would you would fill our hearts with love. 
then in situations we would ask for it. We would see it as an opportunity. We would be available to it, Lord. The unlovely person, the hard-to-deal-with person, Lord, the person who doesn't like us very much. Father, we pray that you would help us to love them and that in the midst of that love, of that relationship, a work of God would be born, Lord. Thank you. Praise you. For Jesus' sake, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.